Welcome to Adventures of a 20-something podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of navigating life in your 20s. This is a podcast for all the other self-discoverers, all the other people in the pursuit of purpose, all the other 20-somethings not sure what the heck they want to do with their life. So let's figure it out together. With your host, a 24-year-old in a continual transition state of life herself, Ariana Sweetenich. So, confession time. I've been super behind on editing and uploading new episodes for the podcast the last few months. So, if you're a loyal listener, thanks for tuning back in. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. On the next few episodes of the podcast, we'll be hearing from some guests I met at the Relationship Experts Conference I attended in Nashville, Tennessee last summer, 2019. Yes, it has been that long. Anyway, I was surprised to see other fellow 20-somethings there at the conference so I knew they'd have a good story to tell. Let's dive in. On this episode of Adventures of a 20-something, we have our first Mormon guest. Besides being a wife and a mom of two, Sammy is finishing up her degree in family studies at BYU and works in the marriage and relationship field. She's a brave 20-something who's been through a lot, but has come out so much stronger for it. And now, here's Sammy. All right, so hello everyone. I am here at the National Association for Relationship and Marriage Education. That's right. Uh, conference, <laughs> NARMI. <laughs> that was a long one to remember. Um, here, at, it's in Nashville, Tennessee this year. Um, so that's been cool getting to explore this city that I've never been in. And I've made a new friend. Her name is Sammy, and um, I'd like to get to talk to her today on the show about what it's like on her path as a 20-something and what life has been like for her. So, Sammy, would you just like to give the listeners a little bit of a background about like who you are? Sure, yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Utah. Um, I am a Mormon or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, for anyone who knows what that is, and if you don't, that's okay. Um, and I... I've been married for seven and a half years. I have two kids, four-year-old and an 18-month-old, and I will be graduating with my bachelor's degree this December in family studies from BYU. I started my bachelor's degree in 2010, so it's been a long journey for me. So that's part of my story as a 20-something-year-old is that took my whole 20s almost to get my degree. That's awesome. Um, And so right now, how old are you? 27. 27. Okay, cool. And so you started getting your bachelor's at which age? Uh, 18. 18. All right. So would you mind getting into some of those details about what's sure. what took you that time? Yeah. <laughs> so I got accepted to BYU when I was 18, and I originally started in the dance major. I was going to school for dance, um, and I got married pretty quick. I was a month shy of 20 when I got married. So Don't they have that saying, like, ring by spring at BYU? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I had actually wanted to avoid that stereotype, uh-huh. <laughs> and I had told several guys, I'm going to date someone for a solid year before we even start talking about marriage. And um, I just was dating around, having lots of fun, and went through a lot of experiences that, you know, I believe prepared me and I met my husband and we hit it off right away and after dating for three weeks we had people asking us when we were getting married and we hadn't even talked about it yet. Wow. So we we just we became best friends really really quick Mm. and natural um, connection. Natural connection. It just was both of us had gone through experiences that just prepped us Mm -hmm. and 
So we dated for six months and got engaged and got married three months after that. So I had known him for less than a year and I unfortunately <laughs> now fit in that stereotype <laughs> of a quick meeting, quick engagement, quick marriage, but it's worked. Yeah, if it we, works, it works. We have a great marriage and I've, I've been very happy with that. Awesome. So how long so, have you been married now? Seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So um, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> We're pretty proud of that. We like yeah. that. But um, so, yeah, we got married and he's an immigrant. Um, Where is he from? From Mexico. From Mexico. Cool. Yep. So he, I mean, his family moved here when he was five. He's more American than Mexican, but uh, we still had to do all the immigration papers mm. and he wasn't able to go to school until that was done. Mm. So um, we had that fun thing to go right off the get-go wow. in our marriage and um what was that whole process like it terrifying mm -hmm. it was awful uh it's it you know i don't know exactly what the process is like now because some laws changed shortly after we went through the first round mm -hmm. but um just a big chunk of money right up front you're terrified that if you put anything wrong that things just won't go through right yeah and, and you just have to you have to prove that your relationship is legitimate, right? Yeah, and yeah. It's a, it's a scary process, but both yeah. my parents are immigrants, and so they had to go through yeah, that process terrifying. as well. Yeah, so the, the first round of interviews, you know, we went in for our interview together for his residency on condition of marriage, um, and I was holding his hand under the table, and the interviewer we got, we just, we cracked out mm. on a very, harsh interviewer mm. didn't look us in the eyes the entire time wow um didn't you know, treat you like people didn't didn't treat us like people wow. we were newlyweds um he didn't have enough paperwork to have a bank account so we didn't have shared accounts mm -hmm. we didn't have shared mortgage uh you know we're poor right, we, right. we couldn't afford students. a mortgage yeah couldn't afford a mortgage um you know couldn't we both came into the marriage with paid off cars so mm -hmm. we didn't have any loans together but we gathered everything we could. We had right. pictures, we had letters we had written to each other, we had letters from people who had attended our wedding, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of this stuff, everything we could. Yeah, um, you tried your best. We, we did our best. Yeah. And you know, I was holding his hand under the table and the interviewer, again, not looking at us, you guys have a mortgage? No, ouch. And that was his response to every <gasps> oh question, my gosh. ouch. And I was thinking, He's gonna take my husband away from me. He's gonna deport my husband here on the spot. Wow. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And uh, to just be completely powerless in yeah, a situation like that. To know that. that my husband's fate was in the hands of this man who doesn't didn't, even want to acknowledge that we're human beings. Yeah, I didn't respect and, you. And uh, uh, miraculously, again, without looking at us, he grabbed a paper and put it in front of us, and the paper said, Welcome to the United States. And I just. I held it in, but as soon as we walked out the door, I started sobbing. Of course, naturally. <laughs> so yeah. terrifying. Um, the next two rounds of paperwork went easier. And I don't know if, how, uh, if you know, but when it's a, on marriage, you have the residency on condition of marriage for two years. Mm -hmm. So then at two years, you can apply to have the condition removed. Okay. And then after three years of marriage, you can apply for citizenship. Okay. So... Um, at least that's how it was when we started the paperwork. That's how it was for us. But mm -hmm. um, the so, next two rounds went better. Okay. And we got good interviewers. And, and so now he has he's a citizenship. A citizenship wow. or, yeah, he's a citizen. What and a journey to go through together. Yeah. Wow. It, it was rough, but it, you know, it was, 
it really did bring us closer together because we did try and we went through it all together yeah. and after that first round once he got paperwork to have bank accounts like everything became joint yeah we we merged everything because we knew we were going to need that and mm-hmm. and having that uh, vulnerability of saying everything I have is yours, everything you have is mine, because that's our best chance of succeeding with mm-hmm. your status. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to do that anyway, but it just did we it knew put it was any important. stress on the relationship at all? No, no. no we actually, uh, you know, we've done really good at managing our money together and good. making goals together, supporting each other, um, giving each so other freedom. You were so young when this was all happening. Yeah, you were. 21? 20, 21, 20, yeah. 20, 21. Wow, I can't imagine. So, if yeah. I think back to when I was a 20, <laughs> 21 year old, oh man, I would not have been able to handle something as serious as that. Yeah. I so. mean, we, we had stressors in our marriage for sure. Every, every does. newlywed does. Yeah. And, you know, there's other things that we go through. We've each had our own share of uh, mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. I've had postpartum mental illnesses after my babies. Mm-hmm. I went through a. Um, atypical anorexia between my two babies with Mm. body image issues and um, my husband has some anxiety and depression and you know so there's always there's always going to be stressors on a marriage but we've it's just a matter of if you grow together rather than grow apart yes and we we made sure from the get-go that we were intentional in that and there's definitely times where you do turn away from each other temporarily because you're scared but Mm -hmm. ultimately you look away and you're more scared of what you see outside of your marriage than what you see in your marriage so then you turn back absolutely absolutely i think that like everything in this life stems from either fear or love yeah so it's just a matter of choosing are you going to live from a place of fear or are you going to live from that place of love yeah and generally when i live in that place of love it's such a more beautiful life yeah yeah it's been really great so tell so, me the the experience of having having children in your 20s as well yeah <laughs> so yeah, so this, this I'll go back to school for a little bit because mm-hmm. it plays into it, but after two and a half years of me being in school, my husband finally had an opportunity to um, apply to a program he really wanted to get into, um, but we knew we couldn't both be in school on no income, right. so, <laughs> um, and I wasn't intending to do dance as a moneymaker, so mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'll quit school and work so you can pursue your education. And uh, shortly after that, we both felt like it's time to have a child. So mm-hmm. it was an intentional choice. And What, what um, kind of job did you take on? Uh, I had anything I could take. I okay. mostly worked at credit unions as a teller. Okay, cool. Um, you know, it was enough for the... Mm-hmm. The basic needs. For the basic needs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and it took us almost a year to get pregnant with our first, which was tough, but we had her, and then six months later, we felt like I should go back to school, and that was... Wow, quick turnaround. Quick turnaround. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I decided to change my major to family studies. Um, felt like it was... I had never had any intentions of having a career. Uh, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom for as long as I can remember. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. Um so I figured family studies would be a great way to help me support that mm-hmm. while going to school. And I didn't know exactly why I was going back to school, but we just felt like that's what was needed. And I had some work from home job opportunities that came with being a student. So that was part mm-hmm. of making that decision. Um, so I was able to work from home with my daughter and take her to classes. Brigham Young University is 
was supportive of me wow. taking a baby to classes and That's so impressive. she was in classes with me till she was walking oh and then goodness. then I found a people to watch her while I was in classes mm. um, <clears throat> and I just was going part-time just two classes a semester and then um, when she was about two years old uh, yeah almost two years old we decided think it's time for another wow. so and that time I got pregnant really quick yeah I got pregnant first it's easier the first second month. time right yeah. I, I you know I hear different things mm. with that so it yeah we got pregnant really fast wow. um, what was it like going to school while having a baby like did you were the people in your classes like surprised were they supportive were they at BYU it's not surprising okay um, because of the young married culture right. there and people do have kids while they're in school you see moms pushing strollers around campus all the time okay um, in, in fact it's it's so common that uh, just in the last few years the library on campus opened a family study room oh, wow. a glass encased room it has an indoor playground um, lots of toys for the kids a Kid, kids toilets like My little gosh. toilets oh, um, just totally family-friendly area do you think that being at BYU had any influence on you getting married and having kids I, yeah I would definitely say okay. so I mean the LDS culture what's LDS uh, sorry the uh, Church of, J of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint so okay. Latter-day Saint or Mormon culture most people know it by that um, but uh, it's kind of known for mm -hmm. younger marriages. It fully supports getting your education. Um, you know, it, it's it's supportive and compassionate and accepting of people waiting, mm -hmm. but it's just common. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, we we it's the culture. It, it's the culture. Yeah, it's the culture. So, mm -hmm. yeah, being in that culture, I would say, yeah, I I can't imagine it didn't have an influence on me, even so if it wasn't a conscience like. I'm gonna get married young because I'm expected to. It wasn't like that, right? But I just was open to the idea, and it happened. So both of your parents were Mormon, and they raised mm -hmm. you that way as well. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And and was your is your husband Mormon as well? Yes, okay. he is. Yeah. Uh, would that have been a problem if he wasn't? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I non LDS people are totally great people. Yeah, yeah. Like I in no ways think I'm better than anybody else. Um, but I had intentions to marry in an LDS temple and mm -hmm. you can only do that with another member of right, our church. Right. So and you have similar values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that totally makes yep. sense. And that was important to me. So yeah. Awesome. Well, so what are some of the like, cause educate me, I don't know that much about Mormonism. Yeah. No, um, what are like some of the core beliefs that like separate you from let's say like Christianity? Um, one of the things that we do believe is that the Godhead is made of three separate individuals. Mm. That we have the God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are separate individuals. And mm. um, I know that some uh, Christian sects believe that they're one and the same. Mm. We believe that they're one in purpose, but not the same individual. Okay. Um, you know, waiting to have sex until marriage is a big thing that we teach. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, that was a part of my life and my husband's and that was a goal that we both were able to reach together mm. and we don't drink alcohol or smoke um, don't drink coffee mm. um, we do believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God as well as the Bible mm. we do 
we do believe in the Bible. And do you still live in Utah? Or mm-hmm. okay, and and do you feel that a lot of people in Utah are Mormon? Or yeah, it's a heavily prevalent Mormon. Okay, uh, that's the, what Mo- the Mormons settled Utah. Yes, the, the the population is growing more diverse, which is awesome because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it it helps the Mormon culture, which is oftentimes different from the actual doctrine that's taught. Mm. You know, Mormons in Utah look different than Mormons in other places. A lot of times it's just the, just the culture. Interesting. Um, but yeah, um, I actually had, um, I was living in France for a year after I graduated college and uh, teaching English. And I was approached on the street by um, some Mormons. With um, the black tags, mm-hmm. yep. Um, what do they call them? Elders. Elders, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and so they stopped me on the street and they, they approached me in French because they thought I was French. Um, and I was like, you guys are American, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, we are, oh my gosh. And so we had a conversation and then they were telling me about, you know, like the church and everything. Mm-hmm. Gave me a book of Mormon and we went and like had dinner. I had them ask them more questions and stuff. So it was really cool to just have that like exchange of ideas. Yeah. And I feel like people sometimes aren't open to that and whenever they're approached on the street they don't make time for that kind of I feel dialogue. like that understanding of other cultures is really healthy and so I see the the culture diversity growth in Utah is a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, getting these different ideas and, and, you know, it's okay if we don't believe everything the same, but mm-hmm. we need to have compassion and understanding and respect for anybody and everybody. Absolutely. And I feel like it's harder to develop that when all year round is people that are the same as you. Yeah. And so I feel like this growth has been really helpful for a lot of people in Utah to be like, oh, like I, I still believe in what I believe. I mm-hmm. still, you know, have a strong testimony in this area, but now I actually understand other ideas that I'm a larger okay perspective. With it. A larger perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Cuz I mean, just because we believe in different things doesn't mean that like we have to condemn each other or anything right. like that. Right. If anything like we can learn more about life through each other and exactly. through our different views. Exactly. And so that's awesome, that diversity yeah. of thought. And that's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome because I've never had a, had a talk that much about religion on the podcast. So I'm well, glad that you're open go. to it. Yeah. yeah Very well, cool. You know, the transparency is so key. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I do believe in being open and honest about things. And that, that's the best way we can understand each other. And I feel like a lot of times... Um, at least in our generation, uh, religion is kind of looked down upon generally uh, speaking. I mean, I'm not sure about, um, probably being BYU, it's mostly Mormon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've experienced, people don't want to bring up the word God or anything like that. Um, but in reality, like, if we believe in something bigger than ourselves, that's our own personal decision and that's going to help us get through life and get through hard times. And I just see it as a positive um, rather than a negative. Right. Well, and something that I've learned in the last few years um, in my major at at BYU uh, has really been like, I don't know, growing up, we're kind of pushed to like share your testimony, share your beliefs, which I think is great. I, you know, I absolutely love being able to talk about what I believe, Um, but the other side that I didn't grow up with, but that I learned in college was, um, yes, you can share your belief, but if if they don't believe the same, wish the best for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wish the best for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in family education, like, 
you know, Mormons do believe some things about, you know, marriage being between a man and a woman designated by God, and that is something that we believe. But when I teach relationship education, I want anybody else to have the same chance of success in their relationship, no matter what their relationship looks like. That's awesome. You know, like, I want the best for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to... We don't to... pick other people's no. <laughs> preferences. No, yeah. And whether I agree with their choice or not doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I want them to have the best chance of happiness here, no matter what. Absolutely. And, at, like, at the, core of all, of, yeah. at the core of it all, we're all human. You know? Yes, exactly. We all so, want the same things. We all want happiness. We all want love. We all want acceptance and kindness and to belong. Yeah. And that's awesome. So yeah. you've been teaching relationship, or you've been um, relationship coaching? Yeah, right? a, l- okay. a little bit. So, uh, well, um, through my opportunities at BYU, because I'm still there, uh, but I have been trained in the prep curriculum, mm-hmm. uh, prep 8.0, and uh, as part of that training, we got to teach a class. And um, I've been able to just, I don't know, just the knowledge that I have in normal conversations, teach people, hey, I learned this in my class about marriage and divorce and you know they are talking to me about their divorce and maybe this part can help you get through this tough thing and you know just any type of teaching like I'm not going to limit it to people who are aligned with my beliefs yeah that that that's dumb yeah yeah and um so what what do you think one of the things that you teach and or that you've taught has or is can be relevant to 20 somethings like one of the teachings um, that you feel has been really well received or helpful for twenty somethings. Um, I know that might be a really vague <laughs> question, but if there's anything that like pops out, to you know, you. as far as relationships go, mm-hmm. you just have to keep turning towards each other. Mm. It's important for both men and women to have their own groups of friends, but the moment you start turning to your friends for how to treat your marriage. Beyond just, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, can you help me? The best advice anyone should be able to give you is turn back to your spouse. Mm. Like, here, here's what I went through. That's great. Share your own experiences. You know, um, if someone comes asking you for help in their relationship, share your experiences, share your thoughts, but ultimately say, but you need to go talk to your spouse or your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Because they're the only other ones who are involved in the situation. They're the best ones that can teach you about how to improve your marriage. How to navigate it. Yes. And communicating is the only way to do that. Yes. Absolutely. So I feel like that's, um, I feel like people want to do that. Mm -hmm. So they receive that well. Um, But... Easier said than done, right? Easier said than (laughs) done. Like you said, out of fear or out of love. And Mm -hmm. people are afraid to turn to their spouses a lot of the time. Mm, Especially on hard subjects. Especially on hard subjects. That they might feel some resistance from their partner. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in in social sciences, two of the toughest topics that couples talk about are sex and money. Mm. And those are two of the most important topics you can talk about together. You know, if you you can't talk about those things, uh, those things are going to tear you apart. Mm. And they're so, a huge part of any relationship. Yeah. Uh, trans- romantic relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Romantic relationship. That transparency, just being sharing your wants, your hopes and dreams, sharing mm-hmm. your fears, sharing your insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, That's you know. never been a problem with me. I've always been a really <laughs> open book. I think people know way too much about me. <laughs> they really want it. But yeah. Vulnerability makes you stronger. Yeah. It absolutely. really does. That's something I've definitely learned throughout the, the, these few years is 
that like asking for help is the strongest yeah. thing you can do. And vulnerability is not the same as letting somebody walk all over you. Oh no, absolutely not. And that's something I had to learn. I'm a I'm a people pleaser by nature, mm. so it was just I feel like a lot of women want. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, being able to say like this is what I want. I'm not comfortable with this. Mm -hmm. I don't like the idea of this. Mm -hmm. um, but I really am hoping for this, or I've always thought about this, and just openly saying it. Mm. Um, and then when my spouse reciprocates with vulnerability, mm. being willing to hear him out Absolutely. and give him a chance and support him. And, you know, we, we lay out everything we each have on the table and make decisions together That's moving awesome. forward. I, um, so my mom is one of the trainers for the family wellness oh, program. Cool. And I've been certified to teach family wellness as well. And so one of the things that we teach through that program. Is your mom? Anna Marante. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She is amazing. <laughs> I, I took star. her class um, at NARMI two years ago in Denver. Oh, cool. And oh it gosh. made me cry. Because I was wow. pregnant with my son at the time. Oh my gosh. And was coming to the reality that I'm going to have to work for my family. Mm -hmm. um, that was a reality that was just hitting me. Wow. Was I'm. I've never wanted a career, but I'm, I'm going to have to get one. Mm. And it, the self-guilt and shame I put on myself unnecessarily because mm -hmm. I felt like I was betraying myself. Mm. I had always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and for several reasons, financially and mental health, I, yeah. I did not anticipate having postpartum mental illnesses and just realizing I, I cannot be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. It, I just, I can't do it. I'm better if I have even two or three hours away from my kids each day. Something to bring you purpose and life. Yes, I, I needed that. I did not expect that because my whole life I thought my kids were going to be my purpose in my life. And they are. Mm -hmm. They are my number one. But it, it just, I was falling apart every wow. day. I couldn't be at home all day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and a lot of times I think people... Yeah, either judge themselves or judge other people for not being able to to give up their career for their kids. But it's not about that. It's it's they're choosing their career for their kids, you know, right. so that they can be a better better individual, so that yeah. they can provide a better life for their kids. Yeah. So all that stuff. So I think it's really really strong that you were able to acknowledge this has always been how I've seen my life going, but I'm going to be flexible, and it's looking like I need to change and. Yeah. That's, that takes so much strength. It, it took time mm. to come to terms with mm -hmm. in a peaceful way, and your mom helped me do that. Oh, so wow. she, I, her, I mean, that was two years ago, mm -hmm. and I still, every now and then, just wrap my arms around myself, be like, I need a hug, and I love myself. Oh, and that's what she taught me in her gosh. class two years ago. So yeah. you know, I am a great mom. I am, you are. I am doing great, and I love myself, and I need a hug, and that's okay. And Good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That so makes me so happy. Well, she sleeps right over there. <laughs> Sweet. I know where your mom sleeps yeah, now, <laughs> at least here. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we teach, as you know, through the program is uh, speak up, mm -hmm. or speak up, listen, and cooperate. Yeah. And and that's what you said that you that you have to do with your your spouse whenever something yep. hard is coming up or um but walk me through 
the postpartum depression. Yeah. Because it was postpartum OCD actually, which is different. Wow. Um, so you had your child, your mm-hmm. first child, and then what happened? So I had my first child, and a few months after I had her, I started having these disturbing images flash mm-hmm. through my brain. I, I called them just mental flashes. Um, I would be holding her, happily cooing her. She was the perfect baby, mm-hmm. like just so mellow, good sleeper, good eater. Um, it was just as hard to get her to laugh as it was to get her to cry, but she smiled a mm-hmm. lot, and she just was genuinely happy. Um, really good baby and I would be sitting there thinking how much I love her and I would have this image of me picking her up and throwing her against the wall oh my gosh. or uh, throwing her over a balcony or when I was cooking having a knife and turning around and stabbing her I would have these images flash through my head and the first time it happened I just was like what what was that what was that that did I really just think that oh my gosh. is there something wrong with me I didn't tell anyone I didn't even tell my husband. You were scared. I was scared. I was scared if I told someone what was happening in my head that they would take my child away from me. Yeah, absolutely. I was genuinely terrified. And it started to get worse. It was happening probably uh, three to ten times a day on average. And I just, every time it happened, I just was, no, don't think that, don't think that. I just pushed the thought away as quick as I could. Um, It lasted a while uh, uh, until into my second pregnancy really and it lessened the frequency over time but um the stairs was the most frequent one anytime we were at the top of the staircase i would have a a flash image every time and we lived on the second floor of an apartment so every time we left our house i'd have this image and you know i would what did you do during that time to cope with it? Did you just so you just pushed it out of your mind and never pushed it out of my mind going down the stairs was uh, I'd, I'd squeeze her a little extra tighter to like assure my arms like you're not going to do that mm-hmm. and uh, you know cooking like if I had a knife I would just I don't know like just focus like you're cutting something else right now mm-hmm. you're cutting food that's Be what you're very doing mindful. very very mindful deliberate on the task at hand um, but it was it was terrifying and then uh, about 24 uh, 26 to 27 weeks into my second pregnancy I stumbled across an article that described exactly what I had gone through wow. and named it. And having that name was totally empowering. Wow. Oh my gosh. Postpartum OCD. I know what's happening in my head. Good. All of a sudden, this click. And felt very strongly like to tell my husband, to tell my midwife. And um, I told my midwife, she's like, I'm so glad you told me. Yeah because it gets worse the second time, Mm -hmm. which I haven't found any documentation to prove that necessarily. There hasn't been enough research done, but Mm -hmm. in her anecdotal experience, she's seen it get worse. And for me personally, it did. Um, I have my thoughts as to why I was raising a toddler and a newborn and that already, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's an accident waiting to happen. So just this, this extra worry that, you know, my kids might get hurt. My yep. my newborn would get hurt because yeah. wasn't watching the toddler enough or something. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you shared that because yeah. I feel like a lot of people have never heard of that. I mean, I've heard the yeah. term postpartum depression, but never postpartum, postpartum OCD. OCD. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started doing research on it. Last October, I was able to get an article published in the Institute of Family Studies that yeah. uh, that talks a bit about my experience and shares what research we know, which is 
more than 90% of adults, both men and women, parents, have these images at some point. Wow. Just here and there. Parents are scared their kids are going to get hurt, and that fear is going to trigger some mental images, unwanted. Yeah. And and let let me make this point just, you know, for those listening, postpartum OCD is unwanted, intrusive thoughts. There is almost 0% of actually acting on them. Mm. But if you don't know what's going on, you don't know that. Yeah, and it's scary. It's scary. Absolutely. So once I learned that, how much relief, oh my gosh. Just was like, oh, okay, those images are horrible, but I'm not gonna act on them, and I know that. Yeah, that's... They're not wanted. They're not coming from you. No. It's just a psychological, biological process that we don't understand. It's almost like they come because you are so worried for your safety's Mm. well-being. Wow. You know? Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, so what there's about no you? risk. As a, you said you were 27? Mm-hmm. 27 year old, wife and mother of two. How do you take care of yourself? Um, I've gotten a lot better at that in the last year with my husband's help. Um, as I said, I'm a people pleaser, so everyone else comes first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's always been difficult for me to take care of myself. But um, I'm a writer and... Um, about a year ago, I told my husband I found a writer's group I wanted to start going to once a month, and he said, go. Awesome. I got the kids. We'll find a babysitter. We'll do whatever we need to. You should go. And um, I was also nervous about relapsing into atypical anorexia after my second baby. Just, you know, body image issues, and my body is still not it's, – it's never going to be the way it was before, and I've had to learn to accept that, but – always been horrible at fashion and we invested in a fashion consultant oh, to come cool. teach me about that and take me shopping and that's so such a good idea. It, it was so worth it so worth it and oh. yeah you got great style I was <laughs> thank gonna tell you, you. Thank yeah. you. um you know so I've I've started being like you know I'm going to buy clothes for me that I like because I deserve them that's something and they make you feel good they make me feel good yeah they make me feel good Absolutely. and and I'm also a penny pincher, so buying things for myself was like a big no-no mm. up to that point. Mm. But I learned, like, I need it for my mental sanity. Absolutely. I need Self-care. to feel good about myself, right? Yeah. And uh, hanging out with girlfriends, um, okay. you know, taking part in this. Yeah. I and mean, my husband made a huge sacrifice to let me come to this. This is the mm. first time I've been away from my kids by myself. Wow. Uh, first time away from my son, wow. period, overnight. So... Big deal. And you're um, here for how many days? Till Saturday. Wow. So four nights away from the kids. What's it been like on your own? Like you uh, can breathe? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it, it's been great for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been having a blast. It, it's It's been absolutely amazing. A, a breath of fresh air. Like, I don't know, it sounds kind of funny, but like I feel like I'm on vacation. I'm here working. Totally. Yeah. I'm working 10-hour days. But it's, it's like, a vacation. It's, it's so great. It's stuff you it, like to do. Oh my gosh, it's so great. I'm yeah, it's it's been awesome and That's so good. Yeah, so that that's been part of my self-care. The writing, writing has been huge. Um, I find it so important to have outlets for it, ourselves it that yeah. we know will help us because they're there's like a million things that you can do that can help you, but you have to find what works for you best. Yes, absolutely. Because for some people it's meditating, for some people it's writing, for some yeah. people it's physical activity, for some people it's all three, you know, you yeah. you got to find what works for you because yeah. without those outlets, we just go crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, self-care, as your mom mm. well knows and teaches, yeah. self-care for mothers is crucial. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, you know... I think self care for everybody. Everybody, everybody. Because uh, yes. I was in um, 
John Van Epps uh-huh. thing about relationship attachment and everything. And it's like, what I thought about was, it's awesome to be aware of how your relationship is going, but you need to figure out your relationship with yourself first. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not on the best terms with yourself, how can you be on good terms with your partner? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There, there's always going to be a bit of extra conflict and maybe even contention mm-hmm. if you're out of sorts with yourself. Absolutely. But And we don't even sometimes stop to take the time to figure out what's going on inside. Yeah. For me, I, I went years just not even connecting because the, the feelings were too painful and I didn't know how to cope with them, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel like if everyone just took that time to stop and look inside of themselves, it would be such, the world yeah. would be such a better place. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting in, in today's, well, I guess it depends on which demographics you're looking at, mm-hmm. at but a, a lot of married people have been con, uh, concerned that, or people considering marriage are concerned that getting married will limit their social life. Mm. Um, you know, and I've seen that happen with friends of ours that they get married and then we don't, they don't hang out anymore. Mm. And something that my husband and I made a priority in our marriage was you can have your group of friends that's outside of me. Good. And there's zero, yes, there's zero jealousy. There's zero, neither of us ever wonder if the Mm -hmm. other person's being. There's trust. There's trust. There's so much trust there. Mm -hmm. And it's just go hang out with your friends. That's totally fine. I'll hang out with mine. Because that makes you better use. Oh, yeah. So that you could be a better like us, we, us. <laughs> we yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah so we each have our own set of friends and and that's part of the self-care Absolutely. having your own self-care in a marriage is part of that is having friends outside of your marriage you need that support group totally um it's important you, you know find, find good <laughs> friends like i said find the kind of friends that will turn you back to your marriage if mm-hmm. you're going to be talking to them about your marriage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but even just for having fun. Totally. It's oh my god. to go have fun. Thank you. I feel like this today people forget that like life is all about having fun. Like play, enjoy, yes. explore, adventure. Yes, like we take everything too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like we got to yeah. laugh at things, laugh at yourself, laugh at the world. Yeah. Like yeah, there's a lot of things that you could look at and be depressed, of course, but if you look on the right side of things, it could be much more enjoyable of yeah. life. Yeah. Um, so one more question before I let you go. Yeah. Um, knowing what you know now as a 27 year old, Mm -hmm. um, think back to when you were 19, about to turn 20. Um, what, what kind of advice would you give your 19 year old self knowing what you know now? Oh, you are asking a tough question there. (laughs) Something I ask everyone. Good. For self reflection. Takes you back. (laughs) You know what? I don't think I would want to tell myself what would happen. Mm. I would want to tell myself, you're going to do better than you think you are. Mm. Just hang in there. Yes. You know, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just would be nice to know, like, okay, things will work out. Mm -hmm. And I I wouldn't want to tell myself what happens or what's in my my path, what struggles I'd hit up against or what, what... great blessings I'd come up against, um, not against, <laughs> that would wrap Receive, around yes. me, <laughs> embrace me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just that little boost of confidence. I was not as confident then 
as I am now. Well, then imagine in 10 years how much more confident you'll be. That would be great. Right? That would be great. Something to look forward to. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your honesty, your openness about mental health and all these difficult issues. It's going to help a lot of people listening. I hope so. I hope so. It was an honor being here. Thank Thank you you so much. Sounds like a superwoman to me. A huge thank you to Sammy for sharing her story with us on Adventures of a 20-something. And thank you to all the other listeners as well. If you like this episode, you can rate it and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you are using. You can also follow our Instagram page at adventures underscore 20-something to connect with our wonderful guests. Keep listening in for more fun with some 20-somethings to come. Thank you!